Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imitation, the sincerest form of flattery. It is VGC, a video game podcast with me, Pete Donaldson, Andy Robinson and Christopher Dring. This week, we've got meshes with alarming similarities. We've got more layoffs uh, and the Switch 2 projects are gathering a pace. But first, how are you doing, folks? Andy, what's going on in your world? Um, I'm just arguing about Pokemon on Twitter this week. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's... Why are you with Jordan away? Where's Jordan? Is he in America? Well, I've got to pick up the gonna... slack. He's uh, yeah. he's at Respawn. Um, okay, the, right. Uh, Apex Legends guy. So I'm guessing right. I can say that because he slapped it all over social media. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> don't ask me what he's doing. Even I don't know. No. So, uh, Andy, uh, what's been the main kind of bin? Are you kind of getting in the weeds with which uh, Pokemon are your favourite? Which ones aren't no, your favourite? No, definitely not. No, you have very no. dim views on these little pocket it's, monsters, just, don't you? Just the, just the usual um, uh, fraud accusations, <laughs> um, you know. With, yeah. with people with uh, avatars of certain platforms. Yeah. Andy, do you, do you ever sort of think when you're arguing with these people that you sort of the general sort of gaming populace don't have that much of a handle on the legalities of the um, video games that they love uh, and also just general IP? They, they don't really have a handle on how the world works and how legal writs kind of happen. It does cross my mind when I'm arguing with Xbox Dude seventy two XXX on <laughs> on on our Twitter uh, with two followers. Yeah, it does cross my mm. mind that he might not have a full grasp on yeah reality. the uh, the 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 reality the, the intricate details of every situation. Yeah, um, Chris, have you ever um, found yourself embroiled in an IP battle? Have you ever created a logo that's just a little bit too similar to another? Ah. Uh- Actually, I do have a story here. Um, many yes. about during the pandemic, I was doing a video games uh, event about um, uh, uh, how well the market's doing, and uh, I had a. Um, uh, I, it was about it's about and all, all of all of your industry friends went there, and it was called Power World. <laughs> no, it was called it was called State of Play. The name of right. my event. Um, yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> Let me guess who uh, had an issue with that. <laughs> well, I mean, it was very friendly. They went, "Can you not call it that?" And I went, yeah. okay, what did you okay. rename it to? Nintendo <laughs> but Direct. I want to. <laughs> uh, but Xbox, I really want Xbox to, developer Direct. No, I, uh, I named it. Um, I named it State of Games. Uh, but it was. Yeah. Uh, it was. It, so it was just. But yeah, that was that. Yeah, that was my my brush with the uh, brush with, with, uh, with the law. Um, yeah. And and I think sometimes like people think that um, if you do this sort of thing, they they will. Um, put these writs on you and you will be sued to within an inch of your life and you'll lose all of your money. But nine times out of 10, it is just, can you stop doing that? And you stop doing that. And then whatever money you've invested in getting this far down the line, um, you just have to pee up a wall uh, to a certain extent. Well, Um, well, let's change the, you just change the, (laughs) change the thing. You just change it. You just sort of go, all right, it's a fair cop gov. And then you keep on going. State of game. (laughs) State of stuff. Just pints and lads having a good chit-chat. Um, yeah. Let's kick into the first news story. Let's get in nice and quick. Uh, Palworld, 
um, a new video game that everyone's been getting, that everyone's been getting very excited about. And um, the director of the breakout hit Palworld has responded. Palworld has responded to allegations of plagiarism as accusations mount that the game could have uh, copied some of Pokemon's designs. Since launching into early access on the PC and uh, Xbox on Friday, Palworld has become a, a, a juggernaut. Uh, over 5 million sales and more than 1.3 million concurrent Steam I think players. 7 million sales now. 7 million now. We, we, we blinked <laughs> and it increased. Um, but there has been a lot of chat about um, some perceived similarities between the character designs of the characters in the video game uh, and those of the Pokemon uh, titles. It's um it, it it's been well talked about over the weekend and and I, I do have a little bit of a grounding on 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 three D certainly low polygon uh, design uh, from from um, what I wanted to do when I left university because I did I did train in like three D studio a little bit um and 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 even I can sort of look at some of these and sort of go it, it's very hard if you're not like just mm, control C control Ving and then you know moving mesh moving and moving some things around um it, it is quite hard to make almost identical dimensions of animals from one game to another. Uh, Andy, your feelings on this? Have you seen the images? Have you seen the uh, the, the documents? Uh, well, yeah, I've I've been I've been covering this. Uh, I think VGC has been pretty near the front on mm. on covering this situation, which means yeah. that we get all of the abuse brilliantly. Right. Um, so I mean, I don't think anyone who 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 has, you know, knows what a Pokémon is can mm. look at this game and not see the obvious similarity it's very clearly heavily influenced by pokemon mm. right i mean you can play this game and go oh that's uh, this pokemon and that's that pokemon you know they're very clearly um mm. kind of mashing different pokemon monsters together i don't think there's much debate on that one but the issue is whether it actually counts as as plagiarism right because you're mm. allowed you can't you can't sue someone for taking inspiration no matter how brazenly uh, yeah. they have done um it, that's not something that you can stop otherwise you know as a, as an ip lawyer told me this week you wouldn't really have many git video games because uh even though Everything's not derivative. many fly as close to the sun as this one has um <laughs> it, you know obviously everyone takes inspiration off of everything i mean the issue here is as you just mentioned is that um one uh guy on twitter took it a step further this week and he extracted the models of some of the mm. The particularly um, suspicious, examples. yes, exa exactly. It was about a half dozen uh, of these uh, PAL models and compared them to their Pokemon models from uh, Scarlet and Violet. Mm. And they're very, very, very similar, right? They're not the same, mm. but they're very, very yeah. similar. Like, Proportion-wise, they they kind of like, they overlap it would, very, it would take very a lot. Closely. It would take a lot of time to get them exact, almost to the point that why would you bother in the first place, which puts into, again, we're not saying anything. I'm just saying it would be very difficult to uh, to, to to match it, uh, the, the dimensions almost uh, exactly. Well, I mean, it's... For, I mean, if I don't understand... For, I'm not a professional 3D modeler, right? Believe it or not. Um, so Amateur 3D modeler? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the first thing I do is, uh, as a journalist is go and ask some 3D modelers. And I spoke mm. to two guys who work at big AAA studios yeah. who do this for a living... And they were like pretty convinced. I think the quote from one was, you cannot in any way accidentally get the same proportions on multiple mm. models from another game without ripping the models or mm. at the very least tracing them meticulously first. And they ended with, I would stand in court to testify this as an expert. 
Um, so yeah, you can't get more damning than that. Um, they gave some examples as well about how they do tests when they're hiring artists at their studio and they have 30 artists like make a horse based on the same schematics and none of them overlap, you know, like these do. Um, so certainly the professionals I've spoken to are pretty convinced that they have Mm. traced these over Pokemon. Mm. Um, there's, there's some more like damning evidence. I mean, you you can imagine like the internet sleuths are like digging through this stuff. Um, there's one particular pal. Um, I don't know what its name is. Uh, is it Superior? Right. Okay. And and there's a Pokemon called Prime Prime what Prime Marina. So I'm not a massive Pokemon guy anymore. Um, so they they the, the most damning thing about this that's been noted is that the parts of the models like massively overlap, but they overlap from the model as it is in um in like the blender the free like the work environment. Yes. So okay. imagine like this particular Pokemon has hair. Mm. That when it's not in the game and it hasn't got physics applied applied to it and animations applied to it, the hair sticks is like completely straight. It sticks mm. up, and the the power model matches that. So in other words, it it matches. It would the only only match if they'd have extracted the model. Yes, like because the yeah. in game one doesn't look anything like that. Mm. So there's and- all sorts of stuff like that. I think is pretty convincing, but I don't think it's really. No, I don't think and, and, and you don't want to go on, on on record saying that. And 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 Chris, obviously, the the situation is further muddled by the uh, fact that uh, Pocket Pair, the, the the company that that produced this uh, video game, um, has historically uh, used um, generative AI tools uh, quite boldly in, in their titles. Uh, artist Zetrino noted on X that uh, one of its previous titles was literally AI Art Imposter, which literally utilizes an AI image generator as its core mechanic. And in this kind of new world of um, taking and remixing and and, 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 and duetting, I suppose, uh, with original uh, artistry and, and, and creations, um, it, is this is this all rather unedifying? Is this where the industry is going? Uh, well, AI. Um, um, I don't know if it'll go quite. I mean, let's be clear. I, I think it, obviously, they're, they're, they, if they, when they use AI, they they put it in the title of their game, right? Mm. So, no, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. They're quite upfront about it. I mm. think, um, but we are living in a in an industry right now that's um, where it's not making as much money as it was, mm. and. Um, uh, it's it's got huge. It's recently invested huge amounts of money in expanding its teams and becoming a much 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 bigger industry. Video game costs are spiraling upwards, and um, game developers are looking at ways to be able to make games faster mm. and um, and more cheaply. And AI can afford that. Now, whether that means like I don't think that's going to result in them using AI to design their games, uh, mm. but they but I wouldn't be surprised if you know. Well, actually, I know they'll they'll start using AI in other ways in order to speed up processes and. Um, mm. And be able to put stuff out faster um, and update things quicker, which is yeah. you know is is what I think we'll start to see, and we are starting to see, it, I think. Um, but um, uh, you know, Andy's wearing a Foam Stars uh, uh, <laughs> t-shirt with the, uh, <laughs> um, but um, but it's uh, Have you printed that was, yourself. It's no, very I, simple. I gen- made it with generative AI. <laughs> <laughs> um, been so, in his garage. So yeah, it, it's sort of heading in in sort of um, that direction. Here's the thing with that game, Pocket Pair. I think they're a really tiny development studio, right? They mm. used all the money they made from their previous game in funding this one, so it's only seven million dollars spent on it. Mm. Most of the team are contractors. Um, I suspect from countries where you can get quite cheap contractors, group art contractors um, mm. in Indonesia, Malaysia, those sort of places. And um, and I and I wouldn't be, you know, and that does create a 
a risk, a quality risk, a, a um, you know, you, you don't know who these people necessarily know them as well and they don't necessarily follow your procedures as thoroughly. It's difficult. So, um, you know, if there is any tracing or sort of borrowing or anything going on, it's quite possible. And it's worth noting that games companies do do this. They've done this historically, even big yes. ones, right? And sometimes they do it and they don't realise they've done something wrong. Like, I, I, you know, how many games feature a TARDIS? Not only realising it's a BBC. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 obviously the... The point there, the important point, is that not every game sells 7 million copies no, in five no. days. So that's why mm. this is a thing. Yeah, and yeah. Gold and I stole all the art assets from a book. <laughs> so it's in it for, for the Egyptian level, for instance. I mean, point being is it, 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 it these well, things textures, aren't good. Textures from books and stuff have been historically... Remember, was it, the, was it Doom or Quake had a... a, a, a um, or maybe Half-Life had a real human corpse's face, like a burned corpse in, I think, the original Half-Life used a really, really old texture from a, um, a, a some kind of medical book, I think. Uh, and so this dead dude just ended up in half-life as a burned corpse. Uh, right. I know, Resident Evil 4 was, uh, and Devil May Cry were involved in a, a lawsuit, I think, a couple mm. of years ago as well, because it, it was a, a, some, uh, someone who owns an asset CD found yes. out that they'd taken textures from that as well. But again, that's a completely different conversation, taking textures for reference of something that's real. And not versus, paying a license for them. Versus knocking off a design of a, yeah, you yeah. know, a, mm. I, I think it's, you can't really call them a competitor because they're completely different games. Mm. But, different platforms. Yeah, I, and here's the, here's the thing, like, I'm sure, I'm sure that, you know, and here's the thing, they'll want Power World at some point on Switch or Switch 2, right? That, that'll, mm. be a, that'll be a goal for them, and Nintendo will probably want the game on there. You know, they've, they've always been quite fond of games that, are, that, are, that might appeal to its audience on their, on their platform, and I'm sure if they want to um, do that, they might want to move away from some of the more obvious um, things, and I'm sure there'll be, maybe there's a cease and desist coming, maybe there isn't, maybe they'll update those, those, those models. Anyway. My, my, my understanding is that they're not, I don't think they're doing anything, the Pokemon company. My, my understanding yeah. is that they don't have the smoking gun. They're not going to do anything. And yeah, I right. wouldn't be surprised if we actually saw it come to Nintendo platform in the future. But I mean, really, to summarize, there's, there's two conversations here, which is obviously, has it plagiarized Pokemon? And can anyone do anything about it? And I think the answer to the first one is absolutely yes. I mean, I think I've been very disappointed, to be honest, to see certain, you know, kind of uh, uh, corners this week dismiss this as uh, internet drama when mm. it's is quite blatant, blatant, you know, um, you know, plagiarism happening here. Mm. It doesn't matter whether they're a billion dollar company or, a, you know, a one million dollar company. It's not in the world where AI is creeping in and there's pressure to, you know, reduce your workforce. I don't think it's something we should be dismissing uh, uh, in what it could become a very slippery slope. Uh, I mean, these developers' previous games are all other very clear knockoffs. If you've not seen them, go and have a look. There's one that is Breath of the Wild. I mean, visually they are anyway. Mm. Breath of the Wild is, uh, is it knocks off in one of them quite clearly. There's another one that looks like um, uh, Hollow Knight. Mm. Uh, the CEO is on Twitter shouting from the hills about how much he loves stealing ideas <laughs> um you know genuinely you go for his 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 twitter account is lots of comments about how he dropped out of nintendo graduate course because he doesn't agree with their philosophy of creating new ideas like he's right. like a, okay. a, a yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. he's created by ai as a villain right <laughs> uh, and, and a he, pub of ideas. He, he published a um a article about the development of this game last week mm. where he said um 
the majority of the 100 PAL designs in the game were made by one graduate student he hired from a convenience store. Right. They okay. had no animation or art experience before this game. Their previous mm. game was with assets purchased off um, off of marketplaces. They didn't know what rigging was. Well, there's a whole passage how, in this, how in this article get, how about how they realized it would take a month per character to create and it would take them yeah. 10 years to do it. And they don't really resolve how they solve that situation. So I don't think there's much debate at all about whether they've <laughs> copied these designs. The, the, obviously, the second point is, what can anyone do about it? And I spoke to you know, a couple of lawyers this week, including an IP lawyer. And the gist of it is, is that if Nintendo wanted to, uh, a Pokemon company even wanted to uh, you know, pursue this, and that's if, because to Chris's point as well, this is now like the biggest game for, for years, if not one mm. of the biggest game ever on Steam it could end up being do you really want to like go uh, 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 create that mess when you could just put it on your platform um especially with it being another japanese company as well that makes it a bit easier i imagine mm. for them to resolve to have have that dialogue mm. um but even if they did they would need it, it's a high bar for that sort of uh, this is what the, uh, the ip lawyer told me it's a high bar for that sort of plagiarism case where you have to have clear evidence of copying mm. not that looks a bit like that that's clear that it has to be very clear evidence of copying and i don't think the pokemon company are going to pursue that um mm. i mean to your i imagine you're about to mention the statement they put out well, I mean, you would sort of think, especially because, um, I mean, Nintendo have uh, said they intend to investigate and take appropriate measures to address any acts that infringe on intellectual property uh, rights related to the Pokemon. Um, we will continue to cherish and nurture each and every Pokemon and its world and work to bring the world together through <laughs> Pokemon in the future. I mean, let, let's forget about the, the weird end to that particular statement. Um, but you sort of think that, that this company... Um, with pal world they've made a, a, a boatload of money in about a week could they not just sort of go right is 250 grand um and let's just change all of the all of the characters pre-rigging let's just let's just you know randomize the characters i think it might be, have just... to be a bit more money than that where they've sold seven million <laughs> copies in in five days but well i mean they've um, only got 100 100 characters to change haven't they so i mean you could just get a a, a squad of you could just get one one graduate people. student yeah an infinite number of graduate students and an infinite number of um copies of blender and, just and, and i think it's working. a shame really as well um you know, I imagine they would probably do it all over again because clearly the controversy and the, the similarity to Pokemon's helped them. Yeah. Um, however, the actual game's nothing like Pokemon. It's mm. a survival game. It's like Minecraft. It's nothing right. like Pokemon. So it is a shame that in a sense that it's distracting from that because if this game had like wholly original looking designs, I think mm. it'd be getting a lot more good press than it is. Mm. it's one of those things though isn't it you get this in book it's interesting because we're talking about this um i've been doing a lot of event talking a lot recently about the future of games future of entertainment generally and about how we put in games and that and the you're putting things in the arms of hat fans to go and make their own stuff so they're remixing the people are are taking lord of the rings and writing their own version of it and then they and they're they're mixing the genres in they're turning it Mm. into a detective novel and all this kind of stuff and and i there's an element of that's what's gone in here right they've taken pokemon they've taken breath of the world they've taken arc survival involved and they've taken a base building thing and they've gone right Fortnite basically gone and then and it's it's lacking in the all of those component parts lack originality but by sticking them together they've created something different but, but sort of not and it, and, it, and it's it's caught on and it's excited people and actually in an industry right now where things are 
quite bleak. From a business point of view, I'm actually quite excited to see the game do well. I think um, you're going to you're going to see more of these types of games, right? I think developers and the media like to like to um, you know believe that this is not the case, but this is proof that a large proportion of players don't care about originality and they just yeah. want familiarity. And I know this and I know that, and it's it's mashed together. Um, there's a reason why every game for the last 15 years has had the same control scheme, right? Do you remember the days when you needed to read the controls? What are the controls? Since mm. Call of Duty um, Modern Warfare standardized FPS controls, you don't look at the controller, right? You click the stick in and it ducks, or one of them runs, and one of them re X reloads, and Y changes your weapon, and you know the trigger. They're all the same controls because no one would dare try anything new now because mm. players like familiarity. Mm. But I mean, Chris, a lot of this, um, <clears throat> a lot of debate around um, Power World is obviously kind of tying in AI. It's not strictly an AI conversation, but obviously um, the CEO has, has been um, has produced um, games before who um, that has used uh, have used um, a lot of AI uh, generative tools. Um, but there have been kind of pieces coming out um, recently and this week, in fact, nearly fifty percent of developers say generative AI tools are being used at their workplace. Um, and um, 84% uh, say that they're concerned uh, about their use. Uh, there's obviously a big GDC state of the game, state of the game, uh, industry survey, uh, which asked more than 3,000 uh, developers across indie and AAA studios about their work and the industry. And they basically asked whether stuff like ChatGBT, Dali, uh, Copilot, Adobe, uh, Photoshop integration for their generative uh, fill uh, were being used at their company. Um, and yeah, 31% of respondents said they were, they've used such tools. A further 18% said they didn't, but others in their workplace did. And this kind of ties in with how expensive it is to make video games. Like you said, indie studios are more likely to use these tools at the moment. 37% of respondents from those studios say that they personally used it. And in your job, Chris, obviously very data-heavy um, your role uh, with, your, with your company. You kick around an unholy amount of data. Have you found these tools of any use? Or because they're quite new, are you kind of second-guessing the results they give? Well, generative AI tools. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, just I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, from from my perspective, I've used ChatGPT as just a fancy Google, effectively. So, f for you, presumably, th these sort of things could actually be quite helpful to create systems um, and, and processes. Uh, yes, I guess in a way, a lot of people use um, a lot of people use these tools to speak for speed, not necessarily money. Like, um, mm. um, I, I I was at a few conferences recently where people have been presenting games to investors right and they need to yeah. create mock-ups of what their game's going to look like and they haven't had time to do it all so they've mm. stuck it into a uh what mid journey yeah. whatever it is to, to get these things made up so they're using it but not in a sort of public facing way they're using it in a yeah in a sort of speeding way or they're using it for inspiration you know it's the thing that um i've never I, I sort of toyed around with seeing how good it might be at creating a release schedule and things like that in, in the past mm. but it's it's just just i've never actually used it for anything work wise just seeing how it worked um mm. but um um and not saying that using it for a bit of inspiration or a bit of idea or a way to sort of say something how do i say this comment yeah but it, it's um my problem with ai and this is i i it's ignoring the there are if I, I don't think it's any point in using it for the things we enjoy doing like mm. why you know you're supposed to use it for the things that we don't enjoy doing that's the whole point yeah. of it is let's get rid of those sort of um, elements to it but my problem even with that is that um when i started in this industry 
my first job was to do really boring mundane things like it was like getting release schedules in and putting them into a, um, and i had to contact all the prs and it's how i got to know the prs it's how i got to know what the games they worked on were and it's mm. how i learned this industry and when you start getting rid of those what you know we sort of call your dog's body sort of you know rubbishy jobs that ai can help you know speed up or, or get mm. rid of i f- i feel that with that so that's how people learn that's how people mm. sort of develop and we're sort of now expecting people to come out of university it's the kids i'm worried about we're expecting to sort of come out of university now with fully Has anybody thought of the children <laughs> but it's been like those 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 jobs you know if you those early jobs those things that you know it's a little bit systemic or something quite basic hmm. you know you can now give it to a computer to do it for you it takes away those those roles and it impacts those junior positions and, I, and that's the thing that worries me a little bit about ai hmm. um but um, the truth is, you know, games companies, games are getting so, you know, there's that Spider-Man, you see that Spider-Man 1 costs X, $100 million or something to make, and it made X amount of money. And Miles Morales, which is a much shorter game, costs significantly more to make. And yeah. it's still, and it, and it generated less money. And then Spider-Man 2 costs double what Miles Morales cost to make. And at the moment, I mean, it probably do better over time but right now it's making less money again and you sit there and you go okay something you know something needs to be happening and they're talking about spider-man 3 being two games split in two and in order to make the revenue make up the amount of money these games cost an ai can potentially speed up that development and reduce those costs Mm. um on andy's side of the ledger um in the world of um games media and tech and stuff like that um it's getting harder and harder to find um, content, certainly like reviews and guides and things that have actually been penned by actual humans. They, they, they said this week that um, every search engine from DuckDuckGo to Google to whoever, whatever you're using is just getting worse and worse just simply because it's very hard to find um, stuff, you know, good stuff behind these massively kind of like machine generated content machines uh, that have been really effectively SEO'd. Um, have you ever sort of thought about a, a VGC kind of subscription model, Andy? Because that seems to be where everyone's sort of moving towards. Um, well, I don't think they make a terrible amount of money for, mm. uh, you know, kind of outlets like us. Mm. I mean, to your point, I mean, you only have to search for anything these days. It feels like it's happened overnight, uh, especially mm. in the last uh, three, four months. Google results now are just trash, right? They it's really absolute are. trash. You can't find, like, I have to dig through at least one page to find anything relevant whatsoever. But, you know, like uh, Google, uh, Google, anyone in the media, you know, is well aware that Google changed their algorithms on a multi-year basis, basis sometimes multi-month basis. Mm. So you'd hope that they are very aware uh, of what's the, the, the quality of their proposition is is being hit hard currently and then they mm. move to resolve that it's a tricky balance for everyone right i mean they are the, the corporations that are investing in ai right now are making all the money i mean microsoft briefly overtook apple as the biggest company in the world uh last week basically because it's the biggest investor in open ai mm. so certainly a, a company like google that's got a, a chokehold on all the media businesses the online media businesses um, you know, they've got these, these pressures to em- embrace investing in AI, but also they make money from websites like us, you know, through advertising, putting advertising on our sites. And we get all of our views through most of our views through Google. So mm. it's all, they're like sort of like cannibalizing each other for, it's a very messy situation, right? 
I mean, what I would say is that it's it, just to put a positive spin on it because it can feel very doom and gloom in, in any creative industry at the moment is that in a world uh, of AI, you know, um, outlets, publications with, that are trusted by their readership are going to be more important than ever. That's mm. why it's important for us to do things like this, like this podcast, um, you, you know, that, that is not going to be replaced by a robot one day. Uh, I mean, as much as a, a robot can uh, turn a press release into, uh, you know, into a news story, it, 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 you know, in the, even now or in the very near future, convincingly, they're not going to phone up a lawyer and get a quote and then, you know, speak to some 3D artists mm. and go to GDC and interview this mm. guy. So it, if anything, it encourages better journalism, I think. Mm. Um, that's my positive spin on it anyway. The other side is that we're all doomed. <laughs> what about you? And I, and I should say as well, sorry to interrupt, on the, on the game the game development side, I think it's important because we've been obviously down on AI that where you know when we're critical of it it's always like regarding specifically generative ai in art right the reason that that gets a lot of stick deservedly so is because you're when you're using generative ai for art you're replacing artists right you're replacing their jobs but at the same time you're scraping their work these mm. tools don't work by magic they they are they are they're trained on real work and there's a lawsuit going on right now where a ton of um, you, you know, um, uh, source material leaked for Midjourney, uh, and mm. these artists, like thousands of artists' work, are being used, including like Magic the Gathering cards and stuff like that. Mm. It, it is, and that's going on. I think the EU's got a um, a, an act coming through, and there's something going on in the states, and it's it's a very very important uh, battle around that because these tools are being trained by humans to replace them. Right, but otherwise, alongside, other than that, AI can have a lot of good in game development. I mean, games are already, to Chris's point, they're totally unsustainable. AAA games, they, they mm. cost hundreds and hundreds of millions to make, and it's every five years it goes up another hundred million. They create a thousand people, you know, up to ten years to make a game. Something's got to give, and if you're using AI to help efficiency, I mean, you look at Microsoft signed a deal to have AI help with um, uh, bug fixing, bug testing, mm, yeah. and uh, localization, and even like NPC dialogue, but not in a creative way. The impression I get is that it's more about, oh, this NPC to tell the player to go towards this objective, you know, just to uh, uh, AI to help the game uh, improve the quality of the game from a player UX experience, right? Um, I mean, Final Fantasy uh, Remake, they used AI to improve the facial animation and the camera angles in cutscenes because they use AI to sense what the tone of the dialogue is and it would suggest certain camera angles or it would, like if it was a tense scene, it might like change the facial animation a bit more on top of the, the kind of the hand-drawn work. Mm. So there is, a, there is a lot of good being done, even though we're focusing on you know, the, the negative aspects. Yeah, I mean, I guess, Chris, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, we would be um, talking about um, procedures and algorithms inside computer programs, um, and they would never be described as artificial intelligence. I mean, th these are shortcuts that, that, that programmers have used since year dot, really. But now there's a little bit of a kind of panic about uh, artificial intelligence. Like there was this, do you sort of feel like that we, we don't always kind of, um, we've kind of changed what we sort of call just normal programming yeah. uh, and, 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 and procedural 
uh, creation of video games that, yeah. that we didn't used to. I've been writing about tools for years that are designed to, mm. oh, now you can start designing an open world and you put this stuff into the tool and the open world will then create itself and, you know, yeah. the procedurally generated stuff. Start a Minecraft, procedurally generated, um, yeah. Yeah, it's that, that, you know, worms, right? It's the, um, yeah, the, um, it's, <laughs> yes. it's, we've, we've, it's those, those sort of, like, I, there, there are differences, in, mm. but there is an element of like, you know, what we're talking about is a similar idea, which is like, let's use this um, technology to speed things up and stuff that's a bit laborious and a bit time consuming. Mm. We can now use this machine that can sort of do it. And then, and then you go in and then you go, and you, you humanize it and make it different. And then you, and it's, mm. it's often, it's, that's the, the thing is sometimes it's just getting it done. And then once you've got it done, you can build on top of it. And then it's the, um, and then that's the, that's the thing. And people are worried about it from a jobs perspective. And I think, I don't think people lose their jobs, but I think it will probably allow games companies to sort of just keep headcounts to where they are and actually maybe output more and faster. Mm. And I think that's the, that's the thing that, the games industry needs to get to you know we nobody wants to wait six you know was it is it god of war ragnarok they decided they wasn't going to do a trilogy because it would have been too long between the first game yeah. and the third game right and i'm like <laughs> and i'm like that's that's mad like it, it's yeah. that's that's and it's those sort of um that's the sort of i mean game. something's got to give i mean sean sean Layden, the ex playstation us boss time, he was yeah. he was quoted like for or i guess he says it all the time now but it was big big news kind of four or five years ago where after he left he was saying something needs to give we need to make shorter games I almost Games I, need to be shorter. I almost yeah. did. A, uh, Sean spoke at one of my events last year, and um, uh, uh, it was like every year that like that thing he said four years ago is just getting more and more proven right. Like it's 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 and it's become it's we're reaching a point, particularly now that the market's in the situation it's in, and game can developers having to lay off staff and in the masses they are. It's mm. now starting to come home to roost. Not just that, but it's it's certainly part of it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Sh- I mean, I'll die on this hill. Obviously, we're all like old men compared to the procedure generate, games generate hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I want shorter games. Yeah. Like how many games is constantly right? Like everyone has got a pile of games, a backlog. Stops of me games buying them. It honestly play. stops it does, me. Yeah. Buy- if I hear like, the word and it puts I'm me not off. buying it. Like yeah. sometimes I play a game and oh, this is great. I'm really into this. And you get to the bit where it goes, you enter the huge open field, and it goes, now go where you want. No, I just want to be entertained. <laughs> I want to go and find it. I want the artificially inflated fluff that you've put in to put a number yeah. on the back of the box. One of the one of the trends that we're seeing is actually games companies are starting to head towards not actually like heading in that direction because we're living in what we call uh, I'm sorry, be boring. We something called the attention economy, right? Where everyone's everyone everyone's competing for people's time. There are those live service games like Naughty Dog just going, you know what? <laughs> no. We're not going to do that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and it was, and it's yeah. an example of there just isn't people don't have that much time. And these games that are 10, 15, 20 hours long that can sit in between those big epic experiences, they're actually proving to be, if you can make those games affordable to make, mm. then it, then those games actually fit quite well in a market where people don't have as much time and just want to play something that's a bit shorter. And, mm. you know, it's to be fair, this isn't a new trend. I think back in the pre owned, a set game stopped doing secondhand recently. And it reminded me that back in the day, Game developers were encouraged to make longer games with more multiplayer and stuff back then in order to stop people trading in their games. That's that's a mad moment, mm. that, isn't it? Like I that made me feel like such a dinosaur, the silence around that moment. Yeah. That is such like a pivotal, important moment in games, like, you know, these big retailers stopping pre-owned games. Because it was only, you know, 10, 12 years ago, that was the biggest issue in video mm. games. We would be Worst on this them. podcast in 2012 talking about the pre-owned game problem, how, you know, developers were changing the games they made and, you know, uh, making you have to buy season passes and pre-owned passes and, you know, mm. restricting their games just yeah. to stop this problem. 
that story is so I've, I've subscribed it recently on, on the band the GI podcast I said that it, it was a, it's a historical moment but actually in terms of where the games industry is today it doesn't mean anything like nobody it's not really a thing anymore as soon as people started downloading more than buying physical that meant there were fewer games being traded in which meant that market mm. just went and disappeared but yeah we'll see back back in those days if you, game publishers had about two weeks to sell their game they had to get their game on the shelves they had two weeks they messed it up they gave up and moved yeah. on to the next game because then it was on the pre-owned right. shelves and and um i remember um, if a influencer picked up your game like two months later and started playing it all it really benefited was the game and their second hand shelves yeah. right interesting all right then um we'll talk take a short uh, break and we'll be back with uh, the you know the latest story regarding uh, closures and uh, downsides many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We're back with the VGC, a video game podcast at Podcast. I'm Pete Donaldson, joined by Chris and Andy. Um, guys, did you speaking of AI, did you see that um, kind of, I think it's a Chinese company, um, they put this uh, app together that you can put your artwork, if you're a creator of uh, a, a, any great art that you really want to protect it from AI, um, they basically hard-code this kind of like invisible, to imperceptible to the human eye um, uh, kind of uh, information into uh, a JPEG or, or, to a track it. or whatever. Not even to track it, to make a dog look like a cat to a computer and a cat look like a dog to a computer. Ooh, a Whereas we just see a dog, the computer sees a cat, and it really messes up any of the uh, mid journey AI tools. I'm sure, they, I think they called it like nightshade, like deadly nightshade, which is Ooh. interesting. Poisoning the AI model, poisoning the AI well. I love that sort of stuff. Like the artists fighting back the only way they know how with a, with a man from China just having a go. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, uh, games industry leaders uh, predict that 2024 will be the year of closure, sadly. Game developer Fahan Noor, who's been uh, uh, tracking job cuts dating back to the start of 2023 on the um, beautifully titled video game uh, estimate that around uh, 10,000, 10,500 uh, games industry employees were laid off last year. And less than a month into this year, uh, we've got about 3,000 planned job cuts in the pipeline. Um, it's 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 going to be a rough, another rough year, uh, guys. And uh, obviously, Chris, this this kind of will comprise most of your time. It's been a busy January for writing pieces and and, and investigating uh, pieces about severance pay and P45s and all that. We haven't had a day this week where we haven't written a layoff story. Uh, this right. year, sorry, not this week, this year. Right. Um, okay, on no, games and um it's worth noting that you know studios close down all the time and there's downsizing happening all the time. It's just, um, and some of these stories maybe might have slipped under the radar before, but 
Yeah. When you've got things like Riot and, and Unity cutting 25% of its staff and Riot knocking 500 people off their off their things. And yeah, that story that you're quoting there is, is actually one that uh, I did on Games.biz and it was... Um, um, I went around a load of games companies hoping for a bit of positivity. I wanted to get in the sense that is this like when we get to the end of the financial year, will people have made their cuts mm. and we can bounce back? Yeah. And the response I got was no. Um, and that, you know, this might be some people are more ho- hopeful that 2025 will be better, but th- this is, this is going to drag on for easily into this year, over this year mm. and maybe well into next year as well. Is it just kind of the, the, the markets, the, um, the city just losing their confidence in 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 the uh, in the industry, or or is it just COVID? Just the the shadow just looms even larger um, the further away you get from it. There are so many. It's this <laughs> so many bits to it. The, the the big thing is obviously there was a ridiculous amount of investment being made during the pandemic, an obscene yeah. amount of it. It's excess, right? You know, and the, and the thing is with the market is when one company is doing something, every other company kind of has to do things. So if let's say a couple of game developers are raising the salaries of their staff every mm. game company has to raise the salaries of their staff and that happens um and and you've got things like um so if, if microsoft's buying a load of studios sony has to buy a load of studios and if um e, if take two are trying to expand their sports offering by buying codemasters ea is going to swoop in and try and buy codemasters and you have this mm. sort of where it just rises the prices everyone's pay goes up everyone's cost goes up so you've had that happen and then the thing is then the pandemic stopped and then the growth has slowed down people stopped making um people stop making money or people start making less money. So the growth stopped, all this money's come in. Then you've had things like inflation going up and cost of living going up, which has increased the cost of business. Not just that, but other things have increased, the, not just wages, but also rents and everything. So the cost of making games have gone up. The amount of money people are spending going up. And what you've got is um, games companies now having to focus in and, and cut where they're, um, they're, where there isn't growth and there isn't money being made investors aren't investing that's the big problem that's why we're going to see closures there are so many games companies that are, un- that are unprofitable and there are so many games companies that have just started up they're in the middle of making their first game and they'll they need more investment they, they've, they've got yeah. enough for the first year enough for the first two years then they're going to need some more and they're going to need some more but the, the well is dry and that is why you're going to see this year of closures um because nobody's um, offering any money at the moment growth will come back this industry's not dead it's not a cataclysm it is is a crisis and um you know the game people still like playing games but normally there's something that gets us excited there's normally a thing on the horizon where investors and people go oh that's the thing it's vr it's metaverse Mm. it's nfts it's whatever it is and most of it's rubbish but there's always something that people look to the future of games and right now actually i was trying to think i can't think of a thing that's getting people like oh that's the thing that's going to change this industry um and um yeah all of that stuff is affecting confidence um, and um, so there's lack of growth, over overspending. That's the big one. Overspending, costs going up, and games companies are having to um, having to. There's just too many unprofitable companies in this industry. Mm. Andy, um, is this just when it comes to me loading up Steam or loading up the the, the PS Store, or whatever? Um, is there just too much kind of competition for eyes and fingers and? Is there just too much trash out there? Is discoverability and curation a, a real issue for, for, for oh, absolutely? There's, there are too many games. I mean, that's what you're you're seeing now and probably into you know next year as well. Yeah, you know, during the pandemic, so too many games got green lit because we were mm. in a having a, a, a very um, you know kind of beautiful summer at the time. Mm. Uh, the games industry was, and uh, you know, investors came in. They saw it as a uh, you know pandemic-proof industry, 
Um, you know, everyone expanded, you know, greenlit projects. And I'd probably say there might have been an element of projects being pushed back as well by the pandemic initially to pile on top as well. And that's that's exactly what you've been seeing for the last uh, 18 months, right? I mean, smaller, medium, medium-sized games have suffered because there are people can people you're competing for time, right? It's not just money. I mean, we said it earlier about games being too long. How many games can you realistically play in a year now? How your time that you have? That's the thing I always have with what we call the attention economy. It's like when you're competing for money, in theory, people's money goes up over time. It's that's the idea is that as you get older, you earn more and more money, right? So the idea is you can earn more money and you can buy more games, but you can't get more time in the day. Yeah. And that is, and that's the thing that always makes me anxious. So you need to grow the industry. You need to get more gamers in, and to get, and that's why Microsoft talk about it all the time. They're, there's not actually that much growth in the UK and Europe and, and Japan and, and US. It's it's India and it's those sort of countries. And those countries, broadly speaking, like playing stuff and watching stuff and listening to stuff that they make. And so right. that's where the, and that's why you see a lot of games companies trying to find developers in those countries to make games for their audiences. And it's that's where the actual growth of the industry might be. Um, but yeah, discoverability, that's the other big thing, right? It's just too many, there's too many games, but it depends for some things. Like if the, I'm all, I, I, when I say too many games, I'm always careful that is that I don't think, I think the idea of everybody should be able to make a game and put it out there. I'm obviously talking a very specific type of game, like those sort of double A, those sort of games you get a Devolver or a Team 17 or a, or a Curve or whatever put out, those sort of um, titles. There's, there's a lot of that going on. And because there was a lot of, a lot of games commissioned um, and we're probably going to see that those will come out in the next two years. Um, and, um, but it's a great time to be a gamer. Here's the thing. They're still playing. Look at Power World. <laughs> they're still playing these games and, 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 and having a whale of a time and spending. Well, it's great when you've sums. got, you've so much choice, right? But it's not useful to people who've spent hundred million on a project and need you to pick their one. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. There's a couple of well, things that I'm excited about. Fortnite, it, putting games in Fortnite which is something that makes me, that's, that interests me. You know, they're done with the Lego stuff and the, and the Rocket, whatever game that was, Rocket League spin-off they've done. Mm. And then there's also um, Switch 2's potentially interesting, although Nintendo consoles only tend to help Nintendo. Um, that's, you know, they're, they're, those are some things. But I, I like retreating to Nintendo increasingly these days just because it's, it's yeah. much simpler. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the ecosystems, like, it's, it's, it's un, unfussy, isn't it, I suppose? You pick it up, you play it, you put it down. Yeah, I don't have to read any law. No, <laughs> true. Well, um, speaking of uh, the, the Switch, so 8% of developers in uh, a GDC survey have said that they are going to be working on Nintendo's next console, or they are currently working uh, on, on Nintendo's next console. Um, for perspective, 66% were toiling away uh, on PC content. Are most just kind of keeping mum on their work so far? Are they just kind of bound to not well, start of course, mouthing yeah, off about contractually, what they're... They, they come in, even yeah. this is anonymous. I mean, from my experience of trying to get developers to say anything, even anonymously, mm. it's a very secretive culture, right? That they are... Yeah. They are, uh, you know, uh, you know, birthed, forged within, and a lot of them won't even tell you uh, anonymously or off the record anything because they're so attached to that secrecy. So yeah, there's definitely more. I mean, this comes back from my my exclusive last year about the development kits being out there, um, mm. about the console coming out this year, um, Nintendo, and and them kind of showing, speaking to developers at, um, at Gamescom about it. Nintendo came out and denied that and said it was inaccurate. So clearly this is suggesting that they are talking <laughs> poo-poo 
yeah. as um uh, we we said at the time yeah i mean it's a it's a the unspoken the, the secret right like it, it, the the open secret even um mm. everyone's working on switch two games it's you know we, we should be hopefully be talking about that very soon is is that with, with the success of um stuff like roblox and stuff obviously it, it seems to be there's a bit of an appetite for a massive mass market product like um fortnite to become one of those kind of platforms could you see us talking less about stuff like xbox and switch and in, in the future talking about Fortnite as being hundred percent, hundred percent. Like this is my opinion. Game. I don't know what what Chris thinks, but I remember sitting on a bus to see the X to go to Microsoft to see the Xbox One reveal in Redmond, and mm. I remember thinking then, like this could be one of the last times I get to do this. Yeah, because they, these closed platforms, yeah. their their days are numbered, right? Um, you, you're seeing with Xbox now what Xbox is doing, which I think is the future. They, mm. they're, 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 they're taking the platform across devices. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, I think it's inevitable. I, I do, unless Nintendo are, are, are going to have to work even harder to create something so unique, you know, this hardware and their IP. They can't get anyone else to maybe people jump onto that. But even they're starting to allude to, to um, getting away from these boom and bust cycles of, you know, yeah. getting a, building an audience on one console and then doing it again. Mm. Nintendo's a little because Nintendo. I don't know. Nintendo, I think, might be the last ones to leave the console world because course, they're, yeah. they're 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 about they're more like a toy company. Yeah, not. I'm not to be belittling that. I no, mean, but they're 100. They're not the same. Yeah, yeah. And so they're they're sort of like you know we create these little things for parents to parents trust and that kind of stuff. Um, Fortnite's a little. Fortnite would be a closed platform, right? In many respects, it's literally it's it'll be it's, it's Epic's Fortnite platform, but mm. they um they but obviously this is the joy of Fortnite. You can make a game an Unreal Editor for Fortnite. Press publish to Fortnite. And it's on, it's on phones and it's on Switch and it's on PlayStation. Mm. It's on Xbox. And it's this, it's, it's a really, that's the reason why that, when I, when I was, Epic was talking me through that, well, actually that sounds really exciting. But the, the thing for, um, uh, in terms of like, here's the thing, phones, you saw some of the stuff that was, that they, they put out on iPhone last year, Resident Evil and stuff like that. We, we are what, how many years away do you think we are before phones and like, is starting to match up with the console Dovetail, today? Yeah. And, and we're, and that's when that happens and phones are, ubiquitous not just in the west but everywhere you know in places where they don't even have a console industry they all have smartphones and that is the thing that it will tra- it will transform the industry obviously and, I, and you know obviously on the one hand i like having my little consoles my little ecosystems little communities elements to it. i do like all that but then i also hate hate the absolute toxicity that comes with that as well so um mm. it will be quite a different I mean, I think it, I don't think consoles will go away. It's just going to be probably an option, right? Mm. I mean, I I play predominantly on console. Um, historically, I was a PC player, but eventually, you just get bored of things not fucking working, right? Like the experience on console, you plug it in, it works. Your friends are there. Um, you know, it's easy to get more stuff. It's not like oh, the frame rate on this is not great. I need to upgrade mm. my RAM. It's you know, it's just a more comfortable couch experience. Yeah. Yeah. Convenience that, is the thing. Yeah. And, and I suppose you would expect the whole kind of um, peer-to-peer kind of in, in NVIDIA solutions for um, cloud gaming to have kind of taken control um, because for, for the reasons we kind of um, detailed, you know, if we, um, if we have these um, platforms that don't exist anymore we'll need some way to broadcast games and you imagine cloud cloud services should have been the way to go but um 
infrastructure is just such a big issue and it's not getting solved anytime soon. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. We just, <laughs> yeah, we just don't have the speed. Yeah. Well, I, I very much look forward to um, seeing Hogwarts Legacy being played on, I don't know, FIFA 16 or something in the FIFA 16 universe. Um, yeah, but Hogwarts Le- Legacy is the first non-COD or Rockstar game to top US sales in 15 years. 2023, last year, uh, of course, uh, for um, fact fans, uh, marked the first time in 15 years that a Call of Duty or Rockstar game didn't top the annual sales chart in the United States. And you kind of have to read that back like I just did there um, because it is quite a big deal chris this is this is not happened it doesn't happen easily uh, it's it's quite an achievement and it's not a game that anybody's in maybe my generation uh, is talking about yeah uh, in the in the europe it's um it was number 2 but it's the first time uh we've not had it but hey on the one hand yeah it's a big deal right it's a different mm-hmm. game it's a Warner Brothers title yeah. it's not call of duty but on the other hand how depressing has this industry become the biggest game is always either call of duty in the europe it's it's ea fifa um, yeah. And then the only game that's been able to challenge those games, unless it's a GTA, Harry is Potter, yeah. is a Harry Potter game. And then right. the, you look at you look at slightly lower down the charts, and it's always a Mario, and it's always a Spider Man. It's always yeah. a big IP or a big sequel. The highest charting new IP in the UK charts for twenty twenty three was Starfield yeah. at number thirty seven, I think. And it's like right. that is that is the oh, and that was from Bethesda, who are an established. <laughs> But, and it's the like, that's of, the, of a pretty stellar lineup of games previously. So yeah, that, that is that is wild. So it's it's and that's kind of the problem with games. Actually, they've got this um, world where even in the even in the free to play live service, it's still Fortnite, it's still Warzone, mm. it's still the same games. And um, and uh, you know you don't get that. You do you get obviously it's always IP related in movies as well. But even movies move from one thing to another over time tv yeah. barbie moves. came out of nowhere for example yeah. i know it's a massive brand but uh, probably a bad example but no I no no but it, i know what right. you're saying so barbie's a new, new barbie barbie's yes it's an ip and it's you know it's it's, it's not new it's in not, film space yeah oppenheimer you know these sort of things mm. you get these things that come out and it's been marvel for a while but not entirely and then you've got things like um and then suddenly they bring jurassic world back and it gets in there and it's you know yeah sure it's not exactly creative <laughs> originality, but it's still but it's nice to have. It's different. It's, it's nice different. It's not just Call of Duty every year, and um, and yeah. and in, in TV, it's even more different, right? They they often mm. go right. It's now got Game of Thrones, and now it's Stranger Things, and then it they, they changes yeah. quite a bit, and it's and we don't get that. We're not having that in games at the moment, and I think that's a problem. Mm. Is this just what we experienced in the film industry in like the eighties, like the same? franchises the ghostbusters and but i guess then they were new ips back then but i suppose the second and third films um absolutely top the charts as well well look thank heavens for games like uh, like a dragon infinite wealth uh, jordan called it a can't miss rpg will you be missing it guys you're, you're both um uh, men with children <laughs> you're gonna be playing the 150 hours of uh, uh, like a dragon infinite wealth i love the yakuza series but good god they just on yeah, I feel I feel like I'm about nine games behind now. <laughs> yeah. We we're both massive Japanophiles, aren't we? And we love the, the you know the not the culture, but we just love walking into a combini and just dicking about and looking at the and new products, and smashing the, and the it up, bubs, just smashing it up with a big sign you with found a outside trash can. Or, or a bicycle. Um, but it, it it speaks to our love of I don't know about you, but certainly you know my love of Shenmue back in the day, but mm. like. I, I do. I have only played two of them through to to, to completion. Um, I do look at stuff like this, especially as it's turn based as well. I sort of go, All right, what? Oh, if they if they, if they had like a, a a free, you know, a five to six hour mode, even 
Give me just I'd all the side quests. All give, give, give me all the silly games from all of the series. Just bat, like put it all in. I'll run a, a snack bar for a bit. I'll, uh, I'll I'll photograph men in their speedos from a moving car. I'll do all that stuff. Just don't give me any of the story because I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, also on the site at the moment, do check it out if you can. Um, we've got uh, a review of Tekken 8, a sensational sequel, even if it is causing some issues for, for, for people with colour blindness or, or perhaps people with, with, with further issues in, in that space. Uh, Chris gave it, uh, gave it some, a decent score, Andy. Is it 5 out of 5, I think? I think it's 5 two, out of 5. Two, that is two, about five as out decent five, as yeah. it gets. So two, there's, there's a, it's off to a good start, isn't it? The, the, yeah. uh, there's, like, there's at least three must-play games this month. Um, if you include Prince of Persia as well, which I'm playing, which is is brilliant. Mm. So yeah, you know, good stuff. More, more, good more stuff. games to add to our pile. Mm. That we'll never games get to. Games will never get we'll to. We'll just yeah. never get to. Uh, well, let's uh, let's ship off, shall we? Uh, do leave a review for the podcast wherever you may be uh, experiencing this podcast right now. Screenshot it, send it to at John Midler on Twitter, uh, and John will randomly give someone a code. That man just receives a lot of codes, so he, he'll be able to um, chuck one your way if he likes your review. Um, send your questions, comments, and concerns to podcast at videogameschronicle.com. Thank you very much uh, for joining me uh, this morning, uh, Chris and Andy. Uh, what have you got on for the rest of the day? What have you got on for the rest of the week? What have you got on for the rest of the year? Let's start with you, Chris. Oh, <laughs> week. Uh, Let's go through your calendar. What, well, what, what's uh, on so the I've site? Got a meeting at, I've got a meeting at three. Um, no, right, I've, uh, good. Um, uh, I've actually got a couple of days off coming up. Um, I'm, oh, I've, Chris. I've, I've only just finished Tears of the Kingdom. It took me nine months. And now I'm going right. uh, to be doing Prince of Persia. So I'm, I'm sort of looking for a couple of days off to do that. Um, right. And then um, just sitting at home playing Prince of Persia. Um, Fantastic. And then, um, and then I guess, you know, I'm looking forward to this year. I've got, I've got, I'm looking forward to going to GDC this year. I didn't go last year, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to Summer Games Fest and, and we're all booking our things. It's, it's, um, I'm looking forward to getting out there and speaking to people and hearing about this industry. And I know it's tough out there. And that's kind of when, that's why we, it's when people like me, uh, Games and Shoppers, for instance, is needed. And that's why we do our thing. Mm. So it's, um, I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, got a funny year ahead. Hopefully. Do you, do, you, do you feel sometimes like you're the harbinger of kind of, you know, you're kind of the deliverer of bad news because um, all of the business news uh, in the industry, no one's hiring and everyone's firing? Yeah, well, we do feel that way. But then it's our job to sort of then try and go, OK, how do we get through this? And then it's yeah. and then and look, the job, we call it B2B, is literally getting this company to talk to this company, this person to talk mm. to this person, just getting them talking to each other. And I just yeah. feel like... I, we said this from the beginning of the year to my team. Like we've got never to, been more we've, important. We've got to do this. We've got to be. Mm. We've got to be there to help this help this industry get through this next twelve months at least. Chris is like the Spider Man, but instead of a, the New York streets, he's just sitting <laughs> games. Yeah, when he when he Andy, swings into view, everyone runs. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, Andy, what's coming up on the site? Uh, <laughs> I'm playing a game I can't talk about at the moment. Oh, um, Jordan's at respawn doing something I don't know. So yeah. Respawn uh, are keeping their their cards quite close to their chest. Is the um, Star Wars FPS anywhere closer to getting kind of revealed? Or I have no idea. We'll find Genu- out. We'll, we'll find out or not find no out. Um, there's a Tekken party tonight. Might, oh, might that. Yeah, Tekken a few event. drink or two. Uh, yeah, indeed. Yeah, they might. Yeah, make make me play Tekken. Yeah. Um, which is 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 you know accessible enough for people mm. like me, right? Um, yeah. what else is going on? Nothing really. It's January. It's dark. It's January. No it's one's quiet. got any it's money. Dark. Just keep warm. 
Don't do Dry January. <laughs> Just play some, play do some, what you play want. Some good video some games. games for crying out loud. Uh, well, thank you very much for listening to the podcast, everyone. You can follow myself at Pete Donaldson on uh, on X. Uh, Chris, Chris underscore Dring and Andy underscore VGC. We'd like to thank the fantastic Grant Kirkhope for the VGC podcast theme song. Say goodbye, Andy. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Chris. See you later. And we'll see you next week at the same time. Bye. VGC, a video games podcast, is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.